Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, guys. Um, Remember, guys, that in our introduction to the book of Matthew, we learned, guys, that Matthew is teaching that Jesus comes from the line of David. Okay, we, we, we want to lay a good foundation so that you, you, you totally understand this. Matthew always is going to teach us that he was God in the flesh, right, Emmanuel. And in essence, you need to jot this down, he was the new Moses, Okay, those are really, really important, okay, because the Jewish people would understand all of this as Matthew is trying to portray him as king. You understand that, okay? Now, he's going to show us that he is the new Moses. How? How is he going to do this? Well, remember, you Moses was used by God, and in a, such an amazing way, that if you recall, he was used by God to set the captives free from Egypt, okay? Uh, we, we see that, and, and, and he comes here and he says, now... But Jesus, the new Moses, is going to set us free, oh, well, not from Egypt, in a physical place, but he's going to free us from the bondage of sin. Guys, every one of us born into that is born in the bondage of sin, and Jesus comes to set us free. This is why the Jewish people would go, oh, wait a minute, Moses, and, and remember, to the Jewish people, Moses was, he, he was a hero. He was a hero in the faith, and it's like, that's Moses. You don't, don't talk bad about Moses. Don't talk bad about Abraham. That's our father, Abraham. But here's what he's saying. Moses was a what? A, well, we call it a physical, if you will, rescue mission. But Jesus dying on the cross will be a spiritual rescue mission. Spiritual, okay? Now, just a couple of things to remember as we make our way through this book. Now, I'm always saying, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, I gotta be honest with you, I've had so many people throughout the years go, you know what, when we attended Calvary Chapel, my my Bible was full of notes, and it should be that way because we don't remember a whole lot, and when we go back, we go, oh yeah, here's this word, oh yeah, I, I, I get this. Now, here's what we need to understand, okay? Matthew is written, guys, with Jewish, to the Jewish people in mind, and he portrays uh, Jesus as king. And what he's going to do, guys, he's going to connect Jesus to the Old Testament. He's got to do that, because the Jewish people will go, listen, if he's not anything connected to the Old Testament, we don't, that's all they had. That's all they had was the Old Testament. That's the writings, the prophets, and so forth. So Matthew goes, no, I need to connect Jesus. You guys got to understand, there's a connection there. Okay? So what does he do? When Jesus comes in and Matthew begins to write the teachings of Jesus, he actually realizes and he connects them and he parallels them to the first five books of Moses, to the Pentateuch. He goes, look, look, look how they connect. Why? Because every Jewish male all the way, all the way up until age 12 had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They had to memorize it. They knew that. That was their protocol, Right? And so the thing about it is we come in and they go, oh, so as Matthew goes, hey, by the way, this, every kid will go, wow, because he's trying to show them that he is the Messiah. Okay, there is no other. Now, I want you to put on your thinking caps just for, for a little bit today. Put on your thinking caps, okay? Now, this is my opinion. I'm standing to the side of the pulpit. But as I was going over my notes this morning, 
I started to think, here's what's going to happen, okay? The rapture's going to take place. We're going to be gone, right? Holy Spirit is off the Gentiles onto the Jewish nation, okay? The Jewish nation for a time is going to embrace who? The Antichrist, okay? And I started to think, wow. Now, put on your thinking caps. I want you to just put it in the back of your mind as we go through. But I started to think, how in the world are they going to connect the Antichrist in, in the Jewish set? Okay, let's, let's take a look. You guys ready? Okay, so we know that he's going to connect that, right? Um, even back in our text, even in Matthew's introduction, we see some key themes, like we talked about, right? That he comes from the line of David. That's what they would say. He's, he's got to come from the line of David. That's where the Messiah is going to come from, okay? I don't know how the Antichrist is going to go, I'm from, what if he steps out of, even today, he steps out and goes, my lineage is from the line of David, even though I am, well, let me just use this, hypothetically, I'm French born. But my ancestry goes back to Jewish roots. You, you, you with me? Okay. So he also says that he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. You guys know that in the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist is going to go, I'm God. And that's where the Jews are going to, oh, we see, and, and, and they trip. Okay? But Matthew, what he wants to do, guys, is he wants to teach that Jesus is the new Moses. And you go, well, how so? Like Moses, what happens? Jesus comes out of Egypt. Okay? He passed through the waters of baptism. That's where we're going to see John the baptizer next week. He entered into the wilderness for 40 days. Then Jesus goes up on the mountain to deliver his new teachings. Okay? So all of this, everybody says, man, that really parallels Moses. That really sounds a lot. Because Moses came out of Egypt. He was in the wilderness, well, not 40 days, but for 40 years. And, and you know, and, and so forth. And he goes up on the mountain and, and all of this. But the phrase that we want to focus on this morning, guys, is the phrase that says, out of Egypt, out of Egypt. Here's why. Today we learn that Herod is on an evil mission to kill all the males two years and younger. Okay? So Joseph is warmed in a dream to take his wife and baby Jesus or child Jesus and go to Egypt. You're going, okay. Now... The question comes up. Here's what we need to think. Was this just circumstance or was it God breathed? Was it circumstances that that Jesus would come out of Egypt or has God been directing this whole thing the whole time? And you go, well, Ben, I I, I see that. See, it's God breathed. Why? Here's why. In the Old Testament, God speaks the phrase out of Egypt 186 times. And out of Egypt, if you're taking note, refers to the place where, where, um, they were God's hurting or God's people were hurting out of Egypt. They were hurting. You guys remember that? They were crying out in bondage. Out of Egypt was the place where the 10 plagues took place. It also represents the old way of doing things. Now, here's what I want you to write in your Bibles. Egypt, guys, is a type of the world. It's always been a type of the world. And so we're looking at this, okay? 
So, none of us can forget how God called the Israelites out of Egypt, how he stood before them in the Red Sea, looking behind them, they see the Egyptians pursuing, getting ready to kill them, right? And, and, and what happened? All of a sudden, God parts the Red Sea, walked across on dry land. This is incredible. And I, and this is what I believe God still wants to do, and he wants to move his people out of Egypt. Not, not a physical Egypt, but what God wants to do in our day and age is he says, listen, some of you are still trapped in bondage in Egypt. Through your emotions, through your thinking, spiritually, you're still kind of trapped. You're still there. And God's going, listen, out of Egypt, I brought my son. We're missing it, guys. We're missing it when it comes to our God, when it comes to our Jesus. He's come to set us free, completely free. And yet I hold on to so many things, and it keeps me in bondage. Think about it like this. Think about it that you go out and you get a, you buy a bird, and it's in the bird cage. And all the bird knows is it's being in the cage. And you take it home, you go, listen, you're not supposed to be in a cage. I want to set you free. So you open the cage door and the bird says, no, thank you. I like being in here. That's how we are at times. And you go, wait, no, no, no. I bought you. I paid the price. You're free. You know, we sit in there. No, because that's all we know. And Jesus goes, no, no, come on, fly, be free. And guys, think about when it comes to Jesus, we're missing it because he's done so much. Now, now again, that's what he's saying, out of Egypt, out of Egypt. Now, think about this. In our study this morning, guys, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him, take Mary and Jesus and get to Egypt because Herod is going to search for Jesus and kill him. So he leaves and takes Mary and Jesus and stays there in Egypt till Herod dies. You go, okay, cool. As a result, guys, think about this. The scripture from the prophet Hosea is filled. What is it? Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, let's chat for just a moment. I believe, guys, there are times, and even now, that every one of us has an Egypt experience. You go, Ben, what do you mean? Well, I think it's a time when life is not all that we had hoped. You see, every one of us have grown up and we've, we've had an ideal situation. Well, when I get married, I want this. Or when I, I want to buy, we all have this ideal of what life should look like. And then there are times, guys, when it's just, it's just not that. It's not what we hoped for. But here's the truth that we really need to capture and apply. That God today, God today is still calling people out of Egypt. Now, listen to me, twofold, twofold. There are people, there are people who are stuck in their sin. They are stranded in sin. God's calling them, come on out of Egypt. I want to set you free. I want to set you free. There are still people, right? We call them non-believers. We're going out and we're trying to witness. We're trying to share the love. Not because we go, listen, how many people can we just... It's like, no, we, we love people. We want to bring them. And then there are people in church who've given their lives to Jesus that somehow still feel stranded with certain things in their lives. 
And God wants to work in your heart and bring that. See, listen, it's a fancy term, but it's called progressive sanctification. You guys familiar with that? Progressively being like Jesus every single day. But there's some stuff he's got to chip off of me because, ah. Uh, can I let you on a little secret? Your pastor's stubborn. Hey, stubborn. Don't look that way tall. I know I was, I was, I was like, please. My daughter goes like this. I fight with God all the time. I know what he wants to do. And I struggle with it. God, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I really, I, I really like this. No, give it to me. Oh, but just me? Just me or y'all, y'all struggle with that too? Okay. Thank you, Mel. I appreciate you. Yeah. And, 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 and here's the thing, guys. He's, he's given us a promised land. He's given us a promised land, guys, that, that's waiting for all of us, for all of us, a promised land. So what did we learn? What did we learn? Well, last week, if you weren't here, we learned that there were three reactions to Jesus. Jesus is born, three reactions. You go, what were they? Now, listen, the first group is very interesting. I find very interesting, right? Because it's Herod. And Herod, when he found out about Jesus, he became very hostile. He became very hostile and paranoid. The guy really freaked out, if I could say that. He just was not a happy... Listen, this is a guy who is just really messed up that he said, when I die, make sure you kill some very noble people so that everybody will be mourning. That's what I want. This guy's messed up, right? Okay? And so when he finds out about Jesus, Jesus is king. He's the Messiah. He's the Meshach. He goes, wait a minute. Nobody's going to take my throne. And here's what we discovered. We discovered that he became very hostile, very paranoid. He didn't like it, angry. Now, let's chat for a moment. Do you mind? I discovered something this week. And what I like to do is I like to sit and meditate on the scripture and kind of think and put myself in their shoes. And I started thinking, why would Herod be so paranoid? And of course, we know scripture. But then I say, okay, so let's pull it into 2021. Why are people the same way? Why are they hostile? When we go out and, we, and we're just sharing with somebody, you, you, you walk in and, and you share Jesus with the grocery clerk or you share Jesus with a friend or whatever it might be. And some of them get really paranoid. They get really hostile, don't they? Don't tell me about Jesus! And they, or, or they're just real upset. And I started to think about this. Now, now, here's what I've discovered. I discovered that there are people who, let me just put it this way, once thought that they had a relationship with Jesus, they've now turned against him. Do you know anybody like that? They, they were walking with God, and now, and I was thinking, what was it? Like, like, why? It got me thinking, why? And I started to think, listen, tell me if this makes sense to you. We all go through life and we believe certain things about God. God is love. God is gracious. God is, uh, he's, he, in all these things, we're, 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 okay, great. God is good. Everybody say God is good. And then we say all the time and then all the time. And so we grow up believing that. Can I get an amen? 
The, the problem is, guys, is that when we grow up this and life falls apart, life falls apart and we start to go, God, why did you... We start asking the why question. God, why did you allow this? If you're good, why did... Or we'll say, um, why didn't God save? Why didn't God, Lord, God, why didn't, and, and here's the problem. The problem is that we are led into a misunderstanding. Like, in other words, like, like all your life, you were, you were super stoked about being married, and you, you, this is who I'm married, and my marriage is going to look like this, and my wedding's going to look like this, and all that, and, and, and God's going to bless it, and God, and she's a Christian, I'm a Christian, bless it, blah, 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 blah. and what happens is you go into that, and all of a sudden, what happens? The marriage is bad. You make some bad choices, it turns bad, and what happens is you go, God, why? I don't understand. I don't understand. Why didn't you? Let me, let me give you another reason, okay? God, why would you allow someone to go home before their time? In other words, if the Lord takes somebody we love before we thought it was time, why? 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 You see, again, think about this, guys. We become so hurt with who God is that we start to blame him and we turn away from him. And when God is brought up, we become hostile. You see, it's a misunderstanding of who God is. Yes, God is love. God is all-knowing. God is our protector. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's all of those things. But he's allowed us to have a free will. And the problem was, if you go way back to the garden, what happened was, is Adam took the title deed and he gave it over to Satan. So Satan's been running this whole mess all this time. And that's why we have cancer and disease and all of this evilness in the world. And yes, at a moment's notice, God could step in. And he actually did when he sent his son to die on the cross. He actually stepped in. But we're thinking a different... Are we not thinking a different way? We're not the Jewish people thinking a different... God, come in and take care of Rome. Let's just say, let's just say for the sake of argument, for the sake of teaching, that our government today, our current administration, is ugly and awful and evil and wants to destroy the Christian. Let's just say that. And we heard that the Messiah was going to come... Would not, would not we have the same idea? We want God to override that government and set us free. Well, that's what happened. And if that didn't happen, if all of a sudden our hero is on a cross, we'd go, what happened? And we misunderstood. See, there's a lot of people who misunderstand God in his ways, in his thinking, that they actually turn from him. They actually turned from him. And I started thinking, I wonder if that was Herod. That was Herod. See, so many people misunderstood, with the help of Satan, by the way, who God really is, and they turn from him, and they become hostile against him. Now, let me give you an illustration, okay? Best illustration I found, and I'm sorry if I spoiled it. If you haven't seen God's Not Dead, close your ears like this, okay? Because, because here's what's happening. Okay, in the movie God's Not Dead, the professor played by Kevin Sorbo, 
And Adam got to see Kevin Sorbo when he was in Jerusalem, but didn't get a picture. Way to go, Adam. You shook his hand. So, yeah. Anyways, in the movie, he's so hostile against God, he prayed. He's so hostile. And you go, why? Because he prayed to God to heal his mother from cancer, and yet she still dies. Do you guys remember that? And he tells the young student that he hates God because he took everything away from him. And Let, at the end of the movie, finds a letter from his mother saying, God is good, don't be upset. Don't be upset. That we must trust him even when we don't understand. Can I tell you, you're shaking your heads at me, but can I tell you, that is the hardest thing to do in your whole entire life, is to trust a God when you don't understand. That is hard. My job is to draw you guys so close to God that if life throws you a curveball that you're so close to him that you still trust him no matter what. No matter what. That's, that's what we need to do. You need to go, listen, I don't understand and I want this side of heaven, but... That's what, that's, that's, that's what he's, he's talking about. Well, you go, well, who would, who, who would actually be the opposite of that? Well, I was thinking this morning, Job. Job got his whole world crushed. You understand. And Job said, naked I came into this world, naked I'm ready to go, Lord. But he said, but he never blasphemed God. He never turned on God. Okay, I need to have what Job had. And I'll tell you why. Because life is going to throw us a curveball. And I expect my God to, to, to protect me. But sometimes I don't understand. I don't want to run from God at that point. You know how quick our hearts are to turn? You know how quick our hearts are to turn from him? i got to be honest with you. I hate that about me. I hate that about me, that I'm just sitting here going, okay. And yet God is good. He doesn't think like a man. He doesn't, he doesn't, there's no evil in him. He's not sitting there going, oh, look, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you through just a horrible, I'm going to send tornadoes and all this down your way. Ha, 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 see if you can stand to my wrath. That's not God. That's what we make him to be. You go, well, Ben, I still don't understand. There's things in life we're not going to understand. We're just not going to. You have to trust. You have to trust. And that's really where salvation is, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a lot of people who have prayed a prayer, and they've made a profession of faith, but their hearts have never been transformed. And when life gets super hard, a death of a loved one, a broken marriage, whatever it might be, finances, they step over here and go, if God really loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. If God really loved me, that wouldn't have happened. If God really loved me. How many people in this world are doing that, are, are mad at God because they just don't understand who he is? Listen, I'm all for 
the motivational, I'm all for the, the, the preaching of the word of God, but I need a foundation because when hard time comes, I need to be standing on solid rock. I need that. I need to know what the scriptures say. The one thing we don't need, church, when life gets hard, are band-aid verses. Hey, take every thought captive. What does that mean? Or, you know, God, you know, whatever it might be. I, I, I love scripture, but I don't just want to put a band-aid over you and say, okay, go. You're bleeding profusely. And I'm like, here's the scripture. We need to know the word of God so that we can be, ooh, help me, somebody, so we can be healed. So the bleeding could stop and we can be healed. So church, what happens? What happens when you get a cut and it bleeds? It stops, okay, and eventually it becomes a scar, right? But that's the beautiful part. You go, look, this is where God healed me. This is what God did. Way off my notes. Sorry, guys. Back in, back to text, okay? Number two, the second reaction would be indifference. Indifference. Guys, the people were like, yeah, I guess so. The religious people are like, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Were you going over there? Nah. <laughs> nah. It's too close to Christmas. Just kidding. It wasn't Christmas. You see if you, you guys are awake. You realize that John the baptizer, we're going to meet him next week. He was indifferent. He's kind of like, is that, is that really him? Find out if that's him because I'm in jail. You can get me out. <laughs> All I did is call out. His, his brothers, his brothers didn't even think. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus? Can you imagine? Well, he's the Messiah. No, he's not. It's Yahshua. He's our older brother. You know, so they didn't believe until after the resurrection. Then there's like this. He's God. He's God. And then the final reaction last week we saw, guys, is... Um, Acceptance. Acceptance. They believed, they worshipped, they had faith. So you have hostile, you have indifference, and then you have acceptance. Let's say those together. You have hostile, indifference, acceptance. Now, put on your thinking cap. I wonder if those are the same three reactions people are going to have to the Antichrist. You, you with me? Okay, we're out of here. We're not here. Okay? We're eating filet mignon in heaven at the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes, we're having good food. But down here, remember, Holy Spirit off the who? Gentiles onto the Jewish people. They have to go through the same three things, right? What is it? Some of them might be hostile towards the Antichrist. No, 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 no. Those are the ones that are going to have to, what, die for their faith. Some are going to be indifferent. How many people do we know indifferent? Oh, it's whatever, yeah. Whatever, whatever makes the world go better. Help me, guys. Help me. Help me. I just want things to get back to, there you go, indifference, right? I just want things to get back to normal. And then you'll have a lot of people who will embrace him, accept him, and believe in him. Just a thought. Just, just I want to pique your interest. Well, that brings us to our text today. You go, Ben, that was a long introduction. I know, wasn't it? Well, we're going to pick up the story. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child 
and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Your attention, please. At first read, just reading these verses, we kind of go, yeah, Joseph was warned in a dream. You know, but let's be honest, all of us have some, had some crazy dreams, haven't we? I mean, you could probably have your top ten like, that was crazy. This was crazy. And, and I think about this, like, like, and sometimes we just kind of read it, but here's what I want you to see. God warned Joseph in a dream to take his child and Mary to flee to Egypt. Okay? Why Egypt? Well, first of all, Egypt was close. You guys understand that. There were a lot of Jewish population in Egypt at this time. So he wasn't going as like, oh, I don't know anybody here. We're, we're, we're the only Jewish people here. Oh! There was, there was a group. There was a community. Okay? So it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be there. Now, you go, well, Ben, how did they pay their way? Well, remember, guys, the, all the treasures that they received from the Magi would it definitely pay their expenses in traveling to Egypt. Okay? And then, of course, the prophecy by Hosea 11.1 says, I called my son out of Egypt. In order to be called out of Egypt, you have to be in Egypt. Now, the question is, circumstance or God breathed? You're like, wow, wow. Here's the point. The point is, guys, for you and I, God is directing our every step. It's not happenstance. I don't know how I ended up in Lubbock. Man. Wow, I don't know what's going on here. God's been directing you. But Ben, you don't understand. I've had some really hard times. God's been trying to teach you. You see, to make you more like Jesus, he has to teach you. And he has to, dare I say, break you? You go, no. Do you know what, do you know what the ancient um, shepherds used to do when you had a ah, sheep wandering away? Do you remember what he used to do? Here's what they would do. They'd leave the 99 that were obedient. They'd take the one. He's over here going, look at me. I'm all alone. He'd go, get back here. No. So come on back. Mm -mm." You know what he would do? Come on, guys. He would take the little sheep. He'd break the leg. Ow! He'd put it around his neck, and he'd carry the sheep. And he'd go about his business until the leg healed. That little lamb... It never, ever left the shepherd again. Pastor, your point, those trials in our lives, guys, they're to draw us closer to Jesus, not farther away. Not farther away. We got to know that. Joseph. Joseph, if you're taking note, guys, there's going to be two amazing characteristics of Joseph that we need to pay attention to. You go, what are they? Okay, number one, here's what I want you to see. Think about it. Now, when they had departed, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, said, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt until I bring word. Herod's trying to kill him. Okay, what's the first thing? Guys, if you're taking note, Joseph believed. Believe. What do you mean? An angel is warning about Herod, and and again, guys, we often think dreams are weird, but Joseph had such a closeness to God that when God spoke, he heard and believed. That's what I love. 
Now, for us, the Bible tells us that we need to believe. But not for us to take our child and go to Egypt, but we need to believe in Jesus. And you go, Pastor Ben, that's silly. I always believe in Jesus. No, no, no. Let me take it a little bit deeper because you've got to test your faith on what the Word of God says. You go, how so? Well, the Bible says that we need to believe. And the Greek word that he uses for belief is really simple. It's three in one. What? Yeah, it's three words in one. Belief. You go, what is it? Well, the Greek word to start off is pisteo. P-I-S-T-U-O. And that means to have faith in, in respect to a person to entrust. Do you trust Jesus with everything? With your finances, with your emotions, with your marriage, with your life, with your goals, all of that. Do you, is that, is that, do you, do you trust him? I have faith in that. The second word is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it means to be persuaded, to have reliance upon Christ for salvation. So first of all, I'm going to entrust. The second, I'm going to be persuaded. That's the only way to be saved. And then third is pethio, P-E-I-T-H-O. And it means to be convinced with confidence. That's belief. It's not that, oh, well, I believe because I have oxygen. It's like, no, I have I put my faith and trust in God, in Jesus. I'm persuaded. My reliance is upon Christ, and I'm convinced with confidence. Eva, nobody can talk you out of it. See, that's the problem with salvation. If you talk somebody into salvation, somebody can talk them out of it. But when that belief comes deep in your heart, nobody can say, you're going, no. Well, you're crazy. You're going to tell me, and isn't, isn't what we believe really crazy? Isn't it? We believe that God sent his son in human form to Israel and died on the cross, horrible death, for my sin. And if I just believe, I'm going to go live with him in heaven. Captain, that's illogical. That's crazy. But that's what we believe, isn't it? We're convinced by the word of God. We're convinced. And so Joseph believed we also need to believe. Why? If we, if we take door number one and we just believe, well, sun rises, we, we sort of have a, a, let me just say, a, just a, 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 an inch worth of depth of belief, we kind of believe. That doesn't transform our heart, does it? But if we take these three words, these three in one of belief, and we allow it, it changes our heart, it changes our behavior, it changes who we are. We believe. Do you believe? Yeah. How do I know? Look at my life. I once was, but now I'm. You guys know, you, you guys talk, you guys understand? Do you, do you realize that you are put in the same situations that used to make you so angry that you wanted to beat somebody up. But because God has changed you so much, you realize, wow, you know, the old used to do this. The old me used to want to punch you in the throat. But now I just smile and go, okay. 
Right, Tiffany? Tiffany's like, mm-hmm. the old Tiffany would go, let's go. No, I don't know anything. I'm just kidding. But the new Tiffany, things have changed. And what happens is you begin to see people the way God sees people, and it breaks your heart. You're like, oh, man, oh, oh, I'm praying for you. Because you know they're lost, Right? What's the second thing we learned about Joseph? You guys ready? Here it is. He obeyed. First he believed and he obeyed. Notice verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed from Egypt. Now you go, Ben, that's, that's, that's Captain Obvious. He believed he, and he obeyed. No, 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 no. Here's what I want you to see. The Bible says he got up immediately and left in the middle of the night. He obeyed. He obeyed. He immediately. And like when I was studying this, I wonder why Joseph didn't talk it over with the folks. I wonder why he didn't go, hey, you know what? Listen, I I had this weird dream last night. I felt like God was telling me to go to Egypt. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't know, Joe. I don't know, bro. Maybe. Are you sure? Like, like, did you have pizza before bed? No, I didn't have pizza before bed, but you know, I don't know. I thought it was God. I really felt like it was God. I don't, I don't know. Hey, how about, how about I, I don't know. Let, I, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll wait till morning and then, and then sweetie, we'll get supplies. You know, we'll load up the, we'll load up the minivan and then we'll head to Egypt. It's no, no brainer. Let's go. That's not Joe. Why? He obeyed. He obeyed immediately. The only way we can obey immediately, guys, is because of the relationship we have with God. Guys, to obey is an action word. Obedience is an act of faith. Obedience is going, listen, God told me. Now, I want you to think, now, listen, you've had crazy dreams, but none of us have ever got up in the middle of the night and acted on those dreams. But this, this is what God is saying, listen. I want Adam and Tiffany and the rest of us to have such a closeness with God that when I speak, there's no room for debate. You just obey. Oh, Adam, why are you doing that? God told me. Adam, why? God told me. Yeah, but, nope, God told me. Well, Adam, this is great. God told me. How do you know? I know. I know. I debate with God all the time, don't you? God will put something in my heart. Lord, are you sure that was you? Because it sounded a lot like me. Ben, I want you to give them your $100. Give them my $100? Lord, (laughs) Ben, I'll bless you. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Lord, well, if I see three cactuses bloom in the middle of nowhere, then I'll know it's you. Just me, right? We debate with God, right? Well, if Yvonne texts me right now, then I know, God, you're speaking to me. There she goes. <laughs> well, she didn't, so was it you, Lord? La, 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 la. No, God's like, no, go do it. Do it. Do it. That's, that's what we're talking He obeyed. But I think the opposite of this would be unbelief, wouldn't you? Disobedience is a result of unbelief. I think of obedience like this, guys. There was a, a university student Okay, and he was listening to a Bible reading on the first chapter of Genesis. And the speaker described God in his work of turning chaos into the cosmos 
And he, he played on the word let. Okay, let. And he said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he urged his hearers to just let God, just let God. And the young man went home with the word of God ringing in his ears and he couldn't get rid of them. And he carved out in wooden letters and he threaded them on a string and hung them on his dressing room. Let God, let God. But he struggled. He struggled. He said, how, how could he let God? And it meant so much. And in, and, and then one morning in desperation, he's like, Lord, I'm struggling. How could I just let you? I don't understand. And he slammed the bathroom door and he went away. And when he came back that night, he realized that the D from the legend was missing. And it said, let go. Let go. And he saw his difficulty. He saw the thing to which he was clinging, which kept him from the blessing is he had to let go and let God. Let go. Oh, Joseph had to obey. He had to let go and let God. Listen, it's not easy. It wasn't easy for Joseph to pack up his child, his wife, in the middle of the night and go to Egypt. It wasn't easy. And nobody's telling you it's going to be easy. But I'm telling you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. When you see the hand of God moving you, directing you, it's going to be worth it. Listen, all of us have limited view here on earth. We all have limited view. Why? Because not one of us have been to heaven. We have to walk by faith and go, okay, it's there. I'm excited. I'm excited. But we all have limited view. So we need to obey. Trust the Lord. Watch what he'll do. I wonder how many of us are holding on and instead of letting go. Okay, let's go, God. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Well, you know what I've called you to do? Listen, I haven't necessarily called you to be behind the pulpit, but I've called you to a life of prayer. Could you just pray for people? Lord, that doesn't sound real fun. Nobody's going to see me, and nobody's going to say how wonderful I am, and I don't, but I've called you to pray. It's a, it's a viable ministry. Okay. Let's go, Lord. I won't know the results, Lord, until I get to heaven. Can you imagine getting to heaven and seeing how many people you prayed for? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for praying for me. You don't understand. I just knew you were praying for me. What about the giftings? What about the giftings? So in your mind, before we move on real quick, Give me a reason why you would think Joseph, in your mind, don't, don't yell it out to me, why Joseph may have not obeyed. You know, what, what, what were some of the things that he might be thinking that we think? The well, Lord is hard, scary. What if Mary doesn't want to go to Egypt, right? Joseph, what happened? I am not going to Egypt with this little boy. Oh, I don't want to put up with that, Lord. 
What are some of the reasons? But Joseph says, sweetie, we're going to Egypt. Get ready. Why? Because the Lord told me. Herod's trying to kill his life. Look at, look, look at verse 16, guys. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death, right, all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is sad. Here's what I love about the Word of God. It's honest. It's real. I mean, it is. He's not. Listen, if I was writing the book of Matthew, I might leave this part out. But here's what you need to understand. Herod's anger, guys, was evidence of his pride. He could not permit anyone to get the best of him, particularly some Gentile scholars. And this led him to kill baby boys two years, in, uh, two years of age and under who were still in Bethlehem. Now, let me just do this. I, I looked up Warren Wearsby's quote on this, and he says, Now, understand, the village was small back, then, back in the day, okay? And uh, don't think that there were thousands of children that were killed. There was probably about 20. But nonetheless, there were still 20 kids that were killed. And this was a very painful day. Now, let's switch your scenes again. Verse 19. Now, when Herod was dead, guys, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Now, this is interesting because it's not, it doesn't say that he just dreamt. It says an angel comes and says, hey, guys. And he said, um, Joseph, yes, arise, take the young child and his mother and go back to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life is dead. And he arose, and he took the young child and his mother, and he came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, a little bit different, guys, a little bit different terminology, he turned aside to the region of Galilee, that he might dwell in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, think about this, guys. Think about this. Okay? He has this angel appear, and he goes, Hey, Joe? Yes, yes, Lord? He says, go back to, go back to Israel. All's cool. Herod's dead. <sighs> okay. But then, he's coming back, Right? And he says, oh, but Archelaus is over in Judea. Oh. Now, he doesn't have the rest of the New Testament like we do. But he understands that there's a prophecy, and God warns him in a dream. And he says, why don't you go up to northern Galilee in a city called Nazareth? Nazareth. Oh, by the way, it's fulfilled by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now, this is where... Matthew's trying to make the connection, okay? Because every Jewish person would go, wait a minute, Jesus came out of Egypt. He's like Moses. Yeah. Moses was outside Egypt hiding for his life when he was called to return to Egypt. You guys remember that? A little bit different? Well, Jesus is in Egypt, and he was called to go out to Israel. Wow. Wow. In both cases, here's what you guys need to know. God's program of redemption 
was involved. What do you mean? God has, God has been breathing your life and your actions since you became a Christian, and even before then. You guys know that, right? You find yourself looking back and go, oh, wow, that was weird. Why would I even, I was even before, and, 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 and God's been working. And here's what you need to think about, guys. It took courage for Joseph and his family to leave Egypt. He had gotten comfortable there. But it took courage for Moses to go back to Egypt. Let me give you a side note, okay? I always like to give you side notes. Herod just died. But we know through history that Herod died about 4 B.C. You're like, cool. So Jesus was not born in the year 00. As a matter of fact, there was no year 00. It went down and then it started with one. You, you guys with me? So what does that mean? If Herod was died in 4 BC and Jesus was already born because he was trying to kill him, it looked like maybe Jesus was born when? At about 6 BC. That, that tripped me out. Because all the greeting cards that I get for Christmas, they're wrong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm like, whoa. Wow. Wow. So how old does that make Jesus? Well, in the year, in the year 30 AD, what would it make him? 36? 35? See, the Bible says he is a, remember the word, he's about... And they never give us a specific, because we always thought, how many of you ever thought he was 33? I, was, I did too, but I mean, I'm going, wait, wait a minute, the math doesn't add up. You go, what was the point? Just, you can put that in your notes somewhere. Just doesn't change anything. But Archelaus um, is there. And he's the son of Herod the Great. And then he took over reigning. And I started thinking, well, I'm not sure why G Joseph was afraid, but then I started thinking, well, if dad was crazy, son is crazy, he's going to go after me too. Um, and then he got warned in a dream, and so he ended, up in, he ended up in Nazareth. He ended up in Nazareth, guys. Now, why Nazareth? Okay, well, if you'll notice something and underline it, in the last part it says, and he shall be called a Nazarene. You guys with me? Now, most believe this is a synonym for either contemptible or despised. He's a Nazarene, okay? We all had that rival. Oh, they're from the other side of the track. You, you understand? Okay? Let me just give you a little background, okay? Um, I grew up in the west side, okay? That was the, that was the crazy part. That was, that was, I mean, there was a gang in our, in, we are the west side locals. I wasn't in the gang, but there was really a gang, okay? Nathalie grew up in what we call, it used to be called Del Bellama. It was the other side of the tracks. You understand that that was the rich part of town. And us, you know, us uh, West Side guys never had a chance with the rich girls. You know, that's, you see how the, you see how it is? And, and so Nazareth was a lot like that. It was like, oh, well, that's, that's Nazareth. <laughs> that's, he's, you know, mm. Where are we going to make a living? Not Nazareth. Golly, who? No, nothing. Wait a minute. Isn't that what? Isn't that what Nathaniel said? This is why. 
Guys, in John 1, 43 through 46, the following day, Jesus went to Galilee and he found Philip and Philip said to him, follow me, right? He told Philip, be my disciple. Now, Philip is from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, we have found him whom, who's this? Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, it's contemptible. It's like, really? Why? Because that term, he should become, it's like, really? The Messiah is most unlikely not to come from Nazareth. He's a Jerusalem boy. He's from the other side of the tribe. This is, he's the rich part of Jerusalem. You understand? Does that not blow holes in, in the prosperity gospel? Well, Jesus is rich and you need to be rich too. No, Jesus came from Nazareth. The most unlikely place. This is why my God can relate to us, guys. This is why. This is why. Okay. Now as we close, let's remember, guys, the three important points. You go, what's that? God's calling us, guys, like Joseph, to believe Because Joseph believed, but we must also believe, not in the general sense, but in a way that transforms our heart. And that's what salvation is. You put your faith and trust in him. Now, now here's the one thing we try to do. We try to say, hey, here's salvation. Now modify your behavior. Now, Now be a good boy. Okay, eat all your vegetables. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's what we try to do. But that's not the gospel. The gospel says believe and then watch him work. And you still stumble, Raina. You still fall sometimes. We all do. But then he begins to work in such a way that you go, that's not me. It's something's changed. Something's really changed. Wow. And that's what he's talking about, guys. He's talking about we need to, we need to believe. We need to have faith and respect in a person. We need to be persuaded upon the reliance of Christ, the Messiah. And we need to be convinced with confidence. The second thing is obedience. Now, I know that's commonplace and cliche, and I know it's Captain Obvious, but this is not open for a debate or interpretation. Well, what does it really mean to obey? You guys know the story, right? Let's say you tell your son, let's say you tell your boy, hey, take out the trash. And he goes, but son, take out the trap. I'm not going to tell you again. Okay, okay, okay. And so he goes over the trash and he slings open the door and he, you know, you guys don't want to talk, right? And he throws it on the floor and he just drags it. Is that obedience? He took it out. No, 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 no. You see, that's the whole point. It's not open for interpretation. No, well, that's open. You told him to take it out. He took it out. He drove milk all the way through, and, and mom had to clean it up, and she's angry, and dad's like, I told you, just, just let me do it. Obedience would be, yes, sir, and out the door. Wow. That's what, he's, that's what God's calling us to do, okay? Obedience. Guys, Joseph obeyed in the moment. A heart obeys the word of God. A heart obeys the word of God. 
a heart obeys the word of God. You read it and you go, hmm, I obey. I believe. You go, what's the third thing? Here's the encouragement I want to leave you with, guys. When it says, out of Egypt, I called my son, it's not just circumstance. And your life is not just circumstance. You're not just moving through as particles into a greater paradise someday. How many of us can look back at our life and go, wow, I didn't even know God was working and he was working. He directed me. He, he, he moved me. He guided me. You see, it's God breathed. And you can leave here knowing that God is taking every step and, and guiding you where you need to go and what you need to do next. He's doing it. He brought you here. He's showing you. And I like that because I want to know that when I surrendered my life to God, that I could count on God's word, that I could count on it, and that he was going to direct me. That's what I want to know. Brother Joe sitting in the back, been a, been a rough few months. Been a rough few months. But God's been with you every step of the way. God's been working with you and growing you. A lot of us have had a lot of rough months. God's been working. You can count on God's word. You can count on his direction. You can rest. You can rest in his word. Out of Egypt, I called my son. God breathed. He shall be called a Nazarene. God breathed. Your life. God breathed. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, just learning about this is so amazing. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I pray right now that you would speak to us, Lord that you would help us. I pray for anybody watching online. I pray for anybody here that if they don't know you, that they would surrender their lives to you today, that they would fully believe. And Lord, it's not about just uh, repeating a prayer, but it's a genuine belief that transforms a heart. And we know your Holy Spirit does that work. So I pray for anybody to do that. I pray, Lord, that you would just receive our offering of praise and thanksgiving and worship. There is none like you. Forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, when I don't understand and I question you and I question your judgments and I question your, your, forgive me, Lord, I, I, I seem to be questioning you all the time and Lord, I just need to trust. So Lord, today we all surrender our lives to you because you've called us to follow you, to be your disciple and that's what we're going to do be your disciple. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.